few videos, I've been giving advice on how to give feedback, how to avoid feedback, how to do it nicely. And it's tough for writers to give feedback and it's tough for the feedbacker to give it. Oh, there, I just switched on my light. Whoop. Oh, let there be ring light. <laughs> this isn't so much about the feedbacker. It's more about the, the person getting the feedback, the writer, the writer getting the feedback. The biggest problem that I see with new writers is that the writing sounds amateur. Yeah, I said it, ah, amateur. The thing is, an experienced writer, an agent, an editor, a developmental editor can all tell if your writing is amateur the first paragraph in. Yes, the, pa the first paragraph in. Uh, and maybe even, depending on your sentence, the first sentence. Truth bomb. I know, it hurts. And you're thinking, no, there's no way. Yeah, they can do it. Don't shoot the messenger. An experienced writer can see amateur writing <laughs> from a while away and uh, the first paragraph. Now, some writers might be told that in their feedback or critique that it sounds amateur, which is straight up, right? Straight up, um, no softening. And they'll be like, oh, the blow, right? And then other people will give feedback in ways that they won't say it. it's amateur. They'll just point out all the amateur issues with it. But either way, it's the same. Whatever the method, harsh or kind of soft and woven in, usually, sometimes, frequently, all experiences are different. The writer gets very, very upset, often angry, sometimes hurt, or maybe they're all hurt and it comes out as anger. I'm not sure. They refuse to listen and they refuse to take the advice. I was discussing this with my um, husband the other day and because, you know, he kind of watches my series. Actually, no, he just wants to know what the topic is <laughs> anyway. But he has coached soccer and baseball for 20 years. And I think he's going to even be adding to that number because my daughter has already made hints and rumblings about him coaching his grandson's team, who is three. So I'm thinking, T-ball, Gramps, here we come. So I asked my husband, I said, is it different for somebody who's doing something physical? Did you find that some people take advice and feedback and some people don't? Because I'm thinking it, it might be different because I'm one of those people who takes feedback. I, and I don't know, I, he's like, there's two kinds of people, those who take feedback and those who don't. And I know I, I hate that. It's like, don't, I don't put me in a box, but we did talk about that those who take feedback and those who don't. 
for him, it was, you know, he would look at, um, at, at a child, soccer or, or baseball, and the swing was off or, or the footwork was off or we need to practice this play. And I said, did those little boys, because it was little boys that he coached, did they, some of them refuse to take um, feedback, advice, refuse to be corrected? And he said, 100%. And those are the same kids who you know, I had to bench, who never hit a ball, who always missed the play. They refused to take it. They said they knew best. That's how they had been taught last year, um, or they're having an off day, or this is how my dad taught me. And they just refused. And he said it, it was, <laughs> he said it was hard when he had a whole, t when he had a team that half of them refused to take feedback because then he was kind of stuck. And the team, of course, you know, they lost. So some of the kids he coached refused to listen and therefore refused to learn to improve. If you play golf, you know you take golf lessons and you know that one little tweak, golf or any sports or dancing or any of that, one little tweak, one little change can make really a really big difference. And I think with sports, and that's why like my mind went to sports when I was, you know, um, writing this particular episode was in sports, you have muscle memory, right? I have a niece who did ballet, beautiful. She never went professional, but, oh, but when she does things, it's muscle memory. She goes into that and I don't even know the ballet moves, these beautiful moves and it's ingrained in muscle memory. When you play golf, you, you're, you should have practiced your swing so that it is muscle memory. When you do any of the sports, it's muscle memory. And I know what you're thinking. Aha, yes, it is, I think, the same for writing. It is your brain muscle memory. And so learning the correction, once you learn the correction, you have to practice the correction. In sports, we call it drills, right? We're gonna call it something different for writing, but it's taking that thing that needs to be improved and building it into your brain muscle memory so that you begin to automatically do it. It certainly will feel unnatural. It, you may feel like, woohoo, that is not my style. We're gonna to get to that uh, a little bit later on. So when I'm thinking about, you know, this episode, I'm thinking, okay, so let me think about, you know, the difference between a physical activity and a brain activity and muscle memory. And I thought, you know, you can probably try to teach me how to do a flip a million ways into the pool and I won't be able to do it, but I won't feel too sad about it just because I'm like, I can't do it, right? And I won't feel like personally insulted that my flips aren't very nice looking and might even be pretty horrid <laughs> but I'm not I, I don't take it as a personal insult but if I can't figure out something with technology and one of my kids tells me mom that's intuitive I get I got I I have to admit, I get angry. I really just get angry. Why? Because now like you're insulting my brain. Well, it's not intuitive for me. And, um, you know, I always get them back because the next time if they're trying to cook and they burn something, I go, well, you know, doing it, that's just intuitive. And they kind of go, Rrr. So <laughs> 
people have, you know, different intuitive abilities, I guess. Technology is not mine. I need to practice over and over and over again to get it right. The difference is one I don't feel personally attacked by and one I do. Hmm. You can see where I'm going with this, right? Here's another example. I have made cookies, thousands of batches of cookies because, you know, my kids are, are in their 30s now, in their late 20s, and I have four of them, so you can imagine, that's a lot of cookies. And for the longest time, for like the longest, longest, longest time, I had trouble like making sure that the bottom didn't burn. I would change the temperature, I would put it on the top rack, and it was always like getting the cookies before the bottom bottom burned. And then I finally like looked online like, why are my cookies burning? And really what I ended up going to was the, conve the convection feature on my oven and presto zippo, no more burnt cookies. It was a small tweak that made all the difference in the world. And also cooking, making the cookies, baking in the convection oven just kind of seemed to bake the whole cookie and not just like around so the cookies puffed up nicely they spread nicely it was a hundred percent nicer looking cookie when my i didn't feel like i was less of a person because sometimes my cookies burned at the bottom maybe some people would be but i didn't argue and say hey burnt cookies taste better i didn't because burnt cookies don't taste better. I know there's somebody's out there going, but I like the burnt cookies. I, I get that. All right, fine. But I think, I think you see my point. And because sometimes I burnt something, whatever I burnt, I didn't say, I am never making this again. I am done with cooking. I wish I could have because never cooking again sounds pretty appealing to me. But I didn't do that. I'm like, okay, what can I learn? What do I need to tweak to improve this recipe, to not burn this, to get this sauce to not have lumps, whatever all of the cooking things are, right? How can I improve it? And when I burn something, because sometimes I burn something because I'm writing, writing, truly, I'm writing. I don't be like, I'm not doing that again, and I'm a horrible cook. No, I just say, darn. Actually, I don't say darn, I use other colorful language. Um, I needed to pay attention to that. Ah, and you can see where I'm going with that, right? I need to pay more attention to what, in this case, the time to cook something. But I don't burn something or ruin something, and that's very, just so you know, I'm, I'm a really good cook. <laughs> but when I do something that doesn't come out, I don't feel like, oh, I'm a horrible person. I'm never doing this again. And you know where I'm going with this, right? You can see how all of this is going to work into what we need to be talking about with writing. Writing is a skill. And it requires, I'm going to put my glasses on for this so I can make sure I get all of it. And oh my gosh, these are so dirty. So writing is a skill that requires knowledge of craft. What needs to be done? So that's the first thing. Maybe it's something big, like the understanding of showing versus telling, which is one thing that really will make your writing look amateur. Then it is implementation of that skill, changing the muscle memory and learning how to do the thing. Learning how to do the thing. And that's tough. Okay, this is all hard brain work. Then there's practice and practice of the craft. 
drills in, you know, in, we call it drills, right, for sports. That's building new muscle memory, in this case, new brain muscle memory. It's, for example, like not writing dialogue, 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 comma, quote, she replied angrily as she set down the coffee cup. No, that is telling. You want instead to build the new muscle memory of showing and writing something like dialogue, 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 comma, quotation mark. She banged down the mug, the coffee sloshing over the side. And then you want to refine the craft. That's the revision. And that is knowing that that sentence that I just spoke can be written a lot of different ways. Tone, mood, you know, with tone and mood, you can make it humorous or, or sad or any, or, you know, connect it to other things, theme or conflict or characterization. An example would be she, dialogue, yada, 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 quotes, she banged the coffee cup on the table, latte foam spraying all over the counter. There's a, probably a billion ways I could write that, and it would depend on context how I would write it. So, so let's review. There is knowledge of the skill, implementation of that skill, practice and practicing that skill, and then refining that skill, okay? That's what needs to be done when you learn something, and it's tough, and it's, it's hard work. Now, many of you know that I'm a teacher, and I am really surprised when I hear other language arts teachers tell me that writing is an innate talent and cannot be taught. I totally disagree. Now, some people are more naturally inclined or gifted at it. I get that. But the rest of the people? Now, you know, my students, and I've been doing this for over 20 years, um, and what I've done during that 20 years is really try to figure out exactly what the smallest aspects of those skills are, those smallest components, breaking them all down so they can be learned and implemented when I teach them how to write an essay. I give very, very specific feedback, and I even have a TikTok about that with using my real name, which one day I'll, I'll integrate when I retire. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's very, it's simple. It's breaking it down to the smallest components. An example would be they have to always, you know, you have to give a, um, a title to an essay, right? So I always tell them to look at their thesis and their th three, and their thesis is always three parts. That's the subject, the opinion, and the plan, one sentence. I tell them to take away one of those parts and turn that, you know, rearrange the word and turn that into a title, okay? You don't have to be gifted in writing to do that. You just have to know a trick. Essay writing to me is just knowing the craft, the tricks to doing it, and then implementing it. I tell them it's not rocket science. I don't think you have, you don't have to be gifted in writing to write an A essay. And I don't think you have to be gifted in writing to write a great story. Burnt cookies, F essays, being benched, not being able to play. That's what happens when someone doesn't improve, when someone doesn't think they need to improve. 
The trick is to accept the honest writing feedback from someone who knows. Who knows? Not your mom, not your friend, not your friend who doesn't sell any books. Okay, someone who actually knows the writing craft. It is really the only way, accepting that feedback, to understand what needs to be improved, fixed, dumped, revised, to make your story better. Now, in the case of the burnt cookies, it's evident I burned them. Everybody could see that I burned them. In the case of sports, you're either sitting on the bench, you don't have a batting average, you, your golf game is, is horrid. It's pretty evident to you and to everybody else. And, and a writing coach, just like a sports coach, will tell you what you did, exactly what you did wrong, and they will explain that tweak that you need to make it, what you need to practice doing. The average person who doesn't really understand all of that, you know, if I'm looking at a soccer player or what, I don't know all that, that nuanced stuff. I don't see footwork. I just say, hey, he missed, <laughs> right? Or, oh, he didn't make that pass. Like, I don't get that. Or that golf swing, wow, that went really far. That's lucky. No, it wasn't luck. It was, it was skill and practice, practice, practice. For writing, I think it's harder for a writer to see their obvious evidence that it needs, it, that their work needs to be improved. Maybe they're too hurt or angry to see it, but, or maybe they just don't associate lack of sales or agent rejections with their need to improve their writing. And here's the thing about agent reje rejections. Agent rejections can be based on a bazillion things. So that's not a good indicator. Um, that is just one of a zillion things that can be wrong with your writing, not just skill level. So you can have the best book, the coolest book, and that's not what they want at the moment. That's, that's the reality of that. Next, I'm going to talk about why people don't take advice. I Googled that and come, came up with some things and have applied it to writing. But before we do that, I want to tell you about my master's class, which yay, finally done. I've been working a long time on it. And you know, with school, it's been, it's been a, it's been tough, but I finally got it and I'm so excited for it. It is going to be hosted on the Historical Fiction Company's website. And it is about the power of archetype and writing a more masterful sentence. And that will be available soon, this summer, very, very soon. It's all about diving into archetypes and how to create nuanced and believable characters. The master's class is also about looking at the arsenal of ways to take a scene, a paragraph, a sentence, and transform it to do exactly what you need it to do in terms of tone, mood, theme, character, conflict, emotion. Just really transform it and to make it, bam, exactly how you need it to be, want it to be, how you want your readers to feel when they read that scene or that paragraph. Now, you know I teach language arts, the art of language, right, to high schoolers. So, you know, I'm 20 years of experience breaking those things down, like I spoke about earlier, into very logical, easy ways. There's a saying, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't understand it well enough. I don't remember who said that. If I look it up, I'll, I'll put it down there below. I've always loved that um, phrase. Well, I break the complex, that elusive characterization, that elusive, why is this amazing, the scene amazing? And I show you exactly how it's done and then how you can do it. 
and they have supplementary material so you don't even have to take any notes. Back to advice and feedback and taking it or not taking it. I googled why people don't take advice and here's what I found and I'm going to apply it to writing. A person lacks a writer lacks self-awareness. I think this one is a biggie for writers. They simply don't know that it is amateur sounding or that they're making amateur mistakes and errors. Two, they have too much pride and arrogance. Another biggie, and I'm gonna tell you a little story about that in a minute. <laughs> Three, they're too busy to figure it out because they know it will take time and lots of effort. Yes, it will take time and lots of effort. Rewrites take time. Taking something from, from telling to showing means changing everything about your manuscript. Is it hard work? Yeah, but guess what? Writing a book is hard work. But once you learn that you change your muscle memory, you're well on your way to making that first draft, that next first draft, a lot better because you're building that muscle memory of good writing instead of reinforcing the muscle memory of amateur style writing. If you want to write a great book and, and tell your story the best way, it's going to take some time. It's a time thing. Good things take time. People, writers, worry that they won't understand what you're trying to teach or what's trying to be taught. So I think that's a fear thing, right? You worry that if you don't get it, that you must be stupid. And nobody wants to feel dumb. But that's something that, once again, it's, it's a drill thing. And I think most people can get it. Another one is that maybe they, writers, they think it's going to be too much work. That kind of, I think that kind of goes with too busy, but no, I think too busy is you don't have time and too much work with, is you know it's going to be a lot of hard brain work. People are lazy. We are. We are. We want to do what is the least effort required. I'm reading a book about this right now, about habits and um, how to change them. And, and, and he talks about the whole humankind is about doing something with the least effort. And normally why we do, don't do something is it's too hard to do or it takes too much effort. So if somebody's told that something will take a lot of effort, that doesn't sound fun, does it? No, that does not sound fun at all. Oh, this is going to take a lot of effort and your brain's going to hurt and you're going to get frustrated and yeah, no thanks. I'll just I'll forget that improvement stuff. <laughs> Number six is that they, the writer, the person does not value the person giving the feedback. Now you've heard me say this in this video and in other videos as well, that ask the feedback from someone who knows their stuff. Not someone on the same plane as you, the same level as you. No, ask someone who really knows their stuff, okay? Who sells books, who has editors, who's gone through developmental editors and is still selling a lot of books. It, not your friend who, who only reads. Not your, not your friend, the English teacher. <gasps> and I'm an English teacher but I write books and I've had trad books published, okay? So, you, you know, that's an okay English teacher to ask. But an English teacher, there, you know, there's a big difference between analyzing books and reading books and, and teaching the book than there is writing the book. 
vastly different. I know, been there, done that. Number seven is they are, the writer, the person is insecure. Once again, that's the fear of feeling stupid, fear of failure. The sad thing is insecurity is a dream killer. It's an improvement killer. It's a being the best you killer. And once again, I feel like I'm being a little bit, I've said this before kind of thing, but authoring and writing is all about getting way, way out of your comfort zone. So yes, you feel insecure. Keep on going, move past the insecurity. If I only did things that made me feel secure, I wouldn't be doing this video. I wouldn't be doing a YouTube channel. I wouldn't be doing a writing. I wouldn't have taken all of the chances that I have done my entire life. I would have not improved or done anything or, or had any personal growth at all. Number eight is they think, the writer thinks that you are eclipsing or ruining their writing style or that you're trying to say that your style is the best when you try to help them. So I'm a little story for this one. I was explaining to a student how to write an essay and she told me quite haughtily that that's your style. I have my own. I laughed on the inside, but I said, well, your style is an essay without a thesis that has no point, proves nothing, and, and is rambling and will get you a D in college. She didn't want to hear that. That could have been part of her arrogance too. But she really felt that rambling no thesis was a style. And um, even though she wrote a, a nice sentence, it went nowhere and said nothing. So therefore, it's not really an essay that's proving anything. I told her that clear, concise writing is the best writing, but what do I know? You know, I'm just repeating what George Orwell said. <laughs> Number eight, you're afraid that it will take you outside your comfort zone or your ability zone. Once again, learning hard skills will do this. We know how hard, how difficult it is to learn a new skill. And once again, it kind of goes back to the book that I'm reading right now, which is when, you, when you're unlearning something and then relearning something else, it takes effort and it's difficult and you have to work at it. But once you work at it and you overcome it and you learn that new skill, then you're building up that for writing that brain muscle memory. So yes, it will take you out of your comfort zone. It may stretch your ability zone, but you only, you can learn anything. I really think anybody can learn anything given the tools, the techniques, the time, the practice, and, and the passion to do it. But it does take, you know, you wanting to do it. Nine, the last one. You take it, the personal critique, the feedback, as a critique on you, the person, your soul, your, your identity. I'm a writer. How dare anybody tell me that I have some amateur writing issues. The horror. I'll never write again. <sighs> to all the new writers out there, if you get an agent, that elusive unicorn creature, <laughs> And if you sell it to a publishing house, 
And then it goes through all of the, um, the editors that it goes through. Guess what? They will want you to, they will look at your manuscript and they will want you to unpack this, tighten this, change this, cut this, add this, change this word, change this metaphor. They will want you to change it. And if you refuse, man, that makes you difficult to work with. And why? Why are you refusing harsh truth coming right here? <laughs> if you are unwilling to take criticism, unwilling to take feedback, then maybe you are not ready for the publishing business. If you are so dug in about it's my way or the highway, then don't ever, ever ask for feedback. Writer. I was in a feedback critique group with a writer who, because they had written a lot of books, maybe 10, something like that, they thought they were amazing. They weren't. It was very amateur writing. Uh, I pointed out a particular page that they had brought and that page was just full of dialogue. So regular page size, full of dialogue. There were no dialogue tags. There was no action to indicate something, the person, just straight dialogue. I told the person, you know, hey, you might want to throw in some dialogue tags or some action here because I didn't know who was speaking after like, by, by the time I hit the half page, probably even sooner, they replied that they wanted it that way. Now, I teach literary analysis, so I go deep with stuff, right? I said, oh, oh, you wanted it that way. Was that because you were trying to show that these two characters are really so much the same in every way that it doesn't really matter who's discussing because they're pretty much the same? Is that what you're trying to say? And that writer looked at me like I had three heads. I said, why do you want to confuse the reader? And that writer folded their hands and said, it's my style. Oh, good luck with that. It was quite clear to me <laughs> with that exchange that the writer really didn't care about the reader and that the reader had no value to them and they really had no purpose. Otherwise, they would have told me the purpose because that's my style is not a reason. That's my style is not a reason. If you are doing something in a text that maybe is a little different, like no dialogue tags, you have no idea, there, there better be a reason for it. Otherwise, why are you writing it? And by the way, that particular writer, lots of books, no sales, and the reviews are pretty hard and all say the same thing, which is you need an editor and who are you writing for? Obviously, this person is writing for themselves. So what is the whole point of this kind of rambling video, which I think I'm trying to tie in a lot of different things here. If you want to improve your craft, it's not about you. It's about your skills for the readers about reader expectations, about genre conventions, about novel and story conventions. Don't take it as a personal thing. Get better for the reader, the readers, because you have this amazing story to tell and you want others to read it. 
So take the advice, really listen to the feedback, do the hard work, learning the skill, practice and practicing that writing skill, refining that skill. Do those things for yourself, for your readers, and for your story. Do it for your story to make your story the best it can be. You'll be glad you did. As always, writers, remember to dream, create, and embrace. Oh, and information on that master's class will be in the description box below. Bye-bye.